Hello, and welcome to the Interjections Podcast, subtitled The Undiscovered Decade. We've made it to 50 episodes. I hey! I, I did Whoa. expect to make it this far. I didn't know. I don't know if we're going to make it to 100. Uh, we, we did pretty well. Kind of ominous. Getting through the first three years in the 90s, what we do on this podcast is we look back 30 years every month and uh, check out uh, a movie that we think is maybe a hidden gem. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes we look back at specific people's careers. Sometimes we look at genres. Sometimes we just look at something we think, well, we've all never heard of this. Maybe this will be good because of certain actors in it, you know. Uh, so this month, as you can see behind Corey's picture, uh, we have Kevin Costner starring in a film by a director that had had a huge hit earlier this summer. And it'll come up a couple times. There are a couple people that were involved in November films that were involved in summer films. Kind of funny, I noticed. Um, so the thing about Kevin Costner and this director, I, I think is interesting. Uh, they both were coming off a of Best Director Oscars back-to-back, and it seems like kismet, the two of them coming together. I'm talking about Clint Eastwood. Uh, he had had In the Line of Fire back in July, and so he immediately stepped back behind the camera and in front of the camera again uh, and starred as a Texas Ranger trying to hunt down a convict who had just escaped from jail, played by Kevin Costner. And they're both coming off a of huge hitch. Uh, Costner had just done the bodyguard in between Dances with Wolves and this. Uh, so it seems like, w- what would you expect from the two biggest directors of the time? And I had barely heard of this film. It definitely got overshadowed by In the Line of Fire and technically Dances with Wolves. And It's just interesting that that's the case, because this, I think, might be the better film of the two. Jimmy and I also watched In the Line of Fire yesterday just to see the comparison. So we didn't get to it by the time we did our July episode, but uh, Jimmy had actually seen it before he realized halfway through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like ha- halfway through Line of Fire, I'm just like, wait, hold up. This looks very familiar. And I'd, I'd seen like, I'd seen bits and pieces. Like, I've seen John really Makovich wear so. multiple disguises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Uh, so like, by the time I got to the ending, like I, I legitimately did not remember the ending. So that was really tense. I've seen Clint cool. Eastwood sleep with his own granddaughter. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of Renee Russo, she had a movie this month too. Uh, it's it's just funny that they all sort of had something else. Everybody was multitasking <laughs> this year. Listen, yeah. I mean, the nineties were a great time. Yeah, 1993 I, was a good good year for movies, apparently. I, I love that yeah, so far. It's good that everyone was busy and nobody was arguing with each other about AI usage and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to, we weren't worrying about the Russians. <clears throat> so Tristan, you um, mentioned one part of the plot. What's the other part of the plot? The other uh, main character. So as you can did see, uh, there's a boy. I, I briefly did the log line. So obviously uh, this Texas Ranger is tracing the convict, but it's mostly because he has taken a hostage. He stopped by to steal a car or get supplies or something. It's kind of unclear. And he ends up kidnapping this boy as collateral. Technically. I freak out. Yeah, he's I actually, forced to kid- yeah, he's forced yeah, to kidnap the boy because his original partner, partner from the prison <coughs> basically was the kidnapper initially. like he started he's, he's the wild card that guy yeah i don't 
know why they kidnapped the boy in the first place, but it's sort of because they're almost in a standoff because uh, a neighbor sees them yeah. enter a house. There could also be a creepy agenda for why the guy kidnapped the boy that we learn a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he got a little it. uncomfortably close. Back that was a little. So, like... Yeah. It's this yeah. smaller part. Uh, this character, Terry, played by Keith yeah. Serbagia. I don't know how to pronounce that. Don't hate me for saying it wrong, Keith. Uh, but he is yeah, dispatched pretty quickly when uh, Kevin Costner notices he's being a little untowards <laughs> towards the boy. Uh, yeah. Just straight up murders him. He's just a little unsavory, that guy. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, he had it coming. Even amongst he wasn't a good guy. Unsavory. He was trying to molest the dude. Yeah. But the but dude, now, yeah, the, the kid. 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, I almost suggested, as we always did themes with our episodes, I thought maybe we could wear our tidy whities in this episode. But uh, uh, because you no, he's no, pretty no, rolled no, up no, pants no. for half the movie, which is okay. another another comfortable uh, choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Butch, Kevin Costner, is uh, stuck with this kid. Maybe not to his advantage, but he ends up bonding with a kid as they drive through. Oh, town. yeah. Uh, and he gets to relive his happiest moments of a pretty unhappy life, uh, which is poignant. And then, yeah, this kid gets to actually start to live a life because he's apparently a Jehovah's Witness and doesn't get to do anything. Yeah. So yeah, is this movie practicing religious that's... bigotry, by the way? Because we're shitting on the Jehovah's Witnesses. Let's not say shitting. Pointing out I mean, the plot of the are. movie. Yeah. They They set up... Yeah, but that's that's how his entire character development is set up because, like, you see, it opens with a Halloween trick or treat scene, and his mom opens up the door and is like, "Don't celebrate that, please go away." And you just see the kid like staring longingly out the window because he wants yeah. to trick or treat. Yeah. Um, he wants to be out with the other boys and girls. Yeah, right. like being normal kid tricking yeah, and treating. You know, he doesn't get to do normal kid things, and yeah, and he gets to do it with a criminal. Yeah. Um, yeah, isn't that great? One, one <laughs> and a half, one and a half good guys in a bad situation. The one good guy is the kid. Uh, yes. No, no, he's, no, he's the half. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, uh, did we mention the time period that this takes place in? Oh, so it is. I saw a trivia point that pointed out that this can't happen, but uh, it's in the '60s and. President Kennedy is going to come visit soon because it takes place near Dallas, and that's exciting, isn't it? Which is why I thought that was that is not you know I thought they were setting that up. Right, I thought that might just lives in the book depository. Yeah, this is going to turn into this is just a prequel to JFK. Some nerd on the IMDb trivia page was like, "This can only maybe happen in an alternate universe because Texas governors are always elected every two years, and (sighs) if it takes place in '62." That's a whole year before Kennedy's assassin. All right, guys. All right. All right. Uh, it is funny, though. That's not after the story. Watching, after watching In the Line of Fire, which is literally about a guy who was in the Secret Service detail on Kennedy's drive through Dallas. Um, it's funny. He's not quite obsessed with uh, Kennedy this year, but it is appropriate that this comes out around the yeah. anniversary. And we're halfway. Yeah. These movies are halfway back to Kennedy's. Yeah. Assassin. It's uh, so like, and a lot of these, yeah, a lot of these movies are like uh, coming out like at that this point in time, and like a lot of the people that are like uh, are that are 
either reaching adulthood or are uh, especially like of Clinton's generation. Point. Yeah, they're, they're living in the shadow of Kennedy. Kennedy was the legacy, the the American legacy uh, yeah. that we so desire. And don't quite have yet. Still, Kennedy is essentially Clinton's age. He'd be in his. Mm, he might be a hundred now. Would he? I forget how old he was when he died. Oh. He's in his thirties, so. Well, he was, was in a, he was a teener in his twenties, and you know during World War Two. So like he, he'd be a hundred and twenty. Yeah, Kennedy. Kennedy. So, yeah, Kennedy'd be a hundred and six right now. So he's like ten years older than Clinton. So it oh, definitely man. is for Clint's generation. The people born in the twenties and the thirties would look up to him. And Clint's a well-known Republican. Right, which is interesting for him to maybe obsess with a Democrat. (laughs) Right. Forbearing. But he knew that was the time period, so he adapts. Well, this is his movie. He's he's putting this into this movie as well. It's funny that this is... uh, This involves involves two well-known directors, actor-turned-directors, but the one I kept thinking about at the beginning with all the idyllic shots and pastors was uh, Terrence Malick. Mm. And Jimmy had mentioned that uh, that looks like a shot from Man of Steel. Man of Steel mm. definitely feels like a Terrence Malick movie during the um, flashback scenes of Kansas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that this thing does that I usually hate was the flash forward, but it was appropriate for this because it was enigmatic enough. Where I wasn't quite sure uh, what. Oh, it right. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you see the Casper mask in the store, you know, okay, well, something bad may have happened. Instead, it's of not explicit he's lying on the ground. Particularly, what transpired? Right, but I don't. I I started to think it wasn't going to be good for Kevin Costner anymore. <laughs> well, you know, he looked he looked like he was enjoying the clouds, but you see a helicopter, and you know he's on a chase, and then the mask isn't on the boy anymore. So either the boy got away and he's just lying in the field, but I didn't it don't it linger on too too much where it bothered me. I do like that mechanic though when they like it opens with the scene of sheer chaos and then they show the rest of the movie how you got there. Mm-hmm. You know, minus the record scratch and things. Yeah, right. so I bet you're wondering how I ended up here. A yeah. uh, slide whistle. Right. <laughs> I think the cinematography in this is beautiful. Yeah, speaking of uh, the Malik-esque shots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you'd think uh, that cutting the uh, storytelling in half might decelerate the uh, the manhunt scenes with uh, the Laura Dern character, which we haven't gotten into. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I think it's it's perfectly paced between the two. So once... There'll be scenes that are going on between Butch and the little boy, and you're like, I wonder what's going on with the lawman. And then they cut to that not shortly after. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the lawman, there was a I, I noticed one one of my notes was like, Hey, it's that creepy southern preacher fella again. Cause uh Ray Ray Mc, Mc, Ray McKinnon. Yeah, Ray McKinnon keeps showing up in these movies that we watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like the only repeat this time. This is just uh, a, a combined universe of Ray McKinnon characters. Yeah, a multi. Yeah, it's a multiverse of Ray McKinnon. He's he's, he's perfect he's for a Texas lawman. Yeah. Um. 
So you mentioned Laura Dern. She plays a criminal pathologist sent in by the FBI to help with the Texas Rangers this time. Oh, no, she's sent in from, from the governor. She's she's a Texan. Right. But, oh, like, she isn't or, she's, part of the FBI? No, 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 no she's like, not. She's part, that's why they have a little, uh, at yeah, least Clint's FBI character has some disdain for own, at first. Uh, yeah. She's above Clint's jurisdiction, but not quite federal. All right. Um, either way, she's supposed to represent the new science looking into people's feelings, but we don't do feelings on the Texas Rangers. So uh, he slowly warms up to her, sort of curmudgeonly, like a, a father figure. Uh, and he doesn't take no guff when people start to hit on her, since she's the only girl in the all boys club that's right. chasing butch down um bradley whitford pops up as a sleazy prick he fbi maybe that's what i'm thinking yeah yeah yeah, that guy's fbi so he's sent in to watch over the rangers too but he doesn't really say anything until he starts to hit on laura Dern when she's alone in their their truck of course it's like get the fuck out of here uh so he just typecast in those roles Especially in the nineties. He's he's very smarmy in a lot of things. Yeah, other like, than his Emmy winning roles ah, for the West Wing. Like I guess the other big movie from uh, the nineties everybody would know him from is Son of a Woman. Oh, I was thinking Billy Madison. That too, and he he's yeah. uh, despicable in both. Yeah. But what a great innovative chase scene later in the movie between uh Butch's car and this Winnebago that they're tracking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Classic. I like I liked when they're rolling in a disconnect because of Ray McKinnon and yeah. it's, it's next to them and they're like, oh, that's not good. Oh, well. <laughs> and he like tries to call to him and it's like, they're not going to hear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Um, I, we did have another repeat, repeat person. I don't know if you guys would have ever known this guy because he was in that Eva destruction movie we watched in the beginning of 91. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. He had a bit part in that too, so. Uh, but he was one of the main characters on the show Jag, and he he was the father of the family that owned the car that Butch steals late in the movie. Uh, I just yeah, thought that I just thought that scene was pretty interesting yeah. because they trust sure. him and they think it's like oh he's just a father with a son and and then Butch can't handle anyone disrespecting their kids because of his own father. Yeah, and that obviously comes into play in the the big set piece finale. There were a lot of really good scenes like that where it's sort of yeah. like this, this double speak. Because like that and like when he's <laughs> when he's flipping the kid after like the 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 farm worker takes yeah. him to his, his home. Yeah. It's, it's very threatening, but it's like he's playing with the kid. He's being nice to the kid. Uh-huh. But totally threatening the adults. We know he could snap at any moment. These uh-huh. people trust him because he's just a nice Texas boy. Yeah. You you let people into their home, into your home if you're being neighborly. Uh, and he does the trick or treat scene. Yeah, really good, real fun. Because yeah. the kid the kid doesn't know what's going on necessarily. Yeah. And and Jimmy kept pointing out, man, he's he's gonna uh cover up these memories with these idyllic notions of what Halloween is. So he's gonna have this fantastic yeah. idea of what a father figure is. Yeah. <laughs> but Butch is doing his best not to, you know, ruin this weird situation. Yeah. And Butch does like uh does like he's aware of uh what's the kid's name again? Uh I know the actor. Philip. 
yeah, yeah. So there we go, Philip. I was later like, later buzz. So so Get Butch buzz, knows like he, Butch is very cognizant of uh of Philip's situation. So like he does like he he is aware that he needs to fill in that like male role model mole role in uh the situation that they're in. Uh, basically make, making the best of it really for everybody involved, which is interesting. And then like Laura Dern's character, the uh, criminal pathologist, she actually pointed out that like uh um like before the end of one of the scenes when they're discussing the uh, one of the fugitives on the uh, run, um, which is Kevin Costner's character, uh, she mentions like uh, basically says he's he he uh, tested uh, the highest, so like he's he's technically the smartest person in this in this whole situation. Situation, yeah. Yeah, everybody involved. Like he's like he's one of two smart people involved in the situation. Like Laura Dern's the one, and like he's the second. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny scene too. Yeah, I thought I liked the chemistry between Laura Dern and Clint Eastwood, and I loved the stuff that goes on between Butch and Buzz. Like they, this kid's a pretty good actor for what is essentially like six or seven. Yeah, um, yeah I don't think he did. Did he do he, much after this? He's Beaver in Leave It to Beaver. Oh God! But, but that's about it. <clears throat> he never yeah. does anything else after that. So, have you ever the seen? Same that? got to him. I've seen the yeah, I've seen Leave It to Beaver. Yeah, I mean it's a goofy remake, so I I never saw it. It's but... better than the Little Rascals one they did, I guess. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I never Rascals. saw Leave It to Beaver. I'm sorry. Wow, Darla's uh, hilarious. Dear Darla, yeah. Be my darling. Be my darling. Little Rascals good. No. Anyway. Oh no no even better. I got a pickle. I got a pickle. I got a pickle. Hey, 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 hey. Come on, Corey. Uh, you need a nickel for that pickle. Safe to say oh we probably what? Oh won't my God. cover uh, either Little Rascals or Leave it a Beaver this decade. So you don't have to worry, Corey. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Kid knows what's asked of him by Clint. Maybe Clint just knows how to handle kids. I don't, I don't recall him ever having to work with a child actor before. Um, tech, well, you know what? I had just seen uh, Honky Tonk Man, but that oh, was right. his own, but then again, that was his own son, so <laughs> he probably has a shorthand with him. Yeah, but maybe he learned from doing that how to act with yeah. other kids because obviously, when you're looking at your father directing you what to do, it's a little different, obviously. Yeah. Right, yeah, but then he <laughs> knows, okay, just treat this kid like he's your son, maybe <laughs> that you could know? Be. get warm, warm up to him, you know. All right, I'm gonna roll, kid, <laughs> yeah. Dear Mark, yeah, right, let's go. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what else. There's, it's just a charming film. I like. Uh, they do a lot with them, and in subtle ways, because it feels the movie almost feels uh, novelistic in a way. It's structured. Yeah, there's chapters, all these scenes with different people they run into. Yeah, and yeah, so it's very episodic, like uh, any other road movie, but not to the point where it's like too quirky. Mm-hmm. But um, even though uh, the Lord Dern character is the mouthpiece for the uh, psychology, I think they do a good job with the uh, nature versus nurture argument with Butch. Mm-hmm. But they don't; it doesn't become didactic or anything like that. Like the scene that you guys pointed out with that other family and the kids, the casual abuse of the kid. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, we're hinting at deeper recesses within Butch. And mm-hmm. it slowly comes out later when they're in that um, they're in that kitchen, and it's a very tense scene. 
Yeah. I think um, Kevin Costner does a great job in the movie, bouncing yeah. off the kid, too. Yeah, I mean, this... the, on top of Clint directing the kid, uh, the chemistry between Costner and the kid is amazing. Right. This might be my favorite uh, Costner performance, actually, that I've seen. I yeah. still haven't seen Dances with Wolves, but uh, he's so good in The Untouchables. Uh, forget, don't forget Waterworld. Yes, the classic. We've got to cover that, right? Oh, yeah. Obviously, a hidden gem. That, that'll be reclaimed by Gen Z, right? Yeah, it's a cult classic now. Yeah. Do you imagine if they did a remake? Uh, they could because then they could make it good. I assume it probably mm-hmm. costs the same. It's gotta be bad. It's tradition now. Okay. Would you rank this in the upper pantheon of like Clint directed movies? I think that too. Yeah. Like I said, I think I like this more than In the Line of Fire, and I liked In the Line of Fire. Um, I think both are great examples of Clint's work, both yes. acting and directing. Like he doesn't do as much here. He he wasn't supposed to play his character. Uh, Tex or whatever name he is, yeah. um, he's he he was convinced by Costner to just step into the role after casting process went through. It's like you could sit around and you're in that caravan for a while. You could direct all my scenes, obviously. So he is sort of directing half a movie and then acting in the other half. <clears throat> this might be anecdotal, but I think I read some interviews with uh, Costner that they didn't get along on set. Did you read the trivia this time, Jeff? I did. Yeah. So now you're a trivia guy. <laughs> yeah, trivia. Uh, so Costner apparently stormed off set one day. Clint just kept shooting with his body double and just didn't stop at all. And Costner like came back later and was just like, you guys are still shooting? He's like, I'll shoot the rest of the damn movie in close-ups of your double. Don't do that shit again. And then he never did. <laughs> uh, I mean, you uh, know, yeah. that was a disciplinary action. It was, but yeah. it was effective, apparently. I want to know yeah. what pissed off Costner so much that you he stormed pi- off. You don't I piss mean, off the OG cowboy, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. of all the films to storm like, off of, I've never heard of Costner doing that and. I thought we wrote it for my character to tell the kid to open his tidy white. Oh, oh God. Well, it's it's also... Well, it could have been something benign, like that a take or two just wasn't going well, and like, yeah, it just no, kept on going know. and going, and he was just like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm going to my trailer. Right. You know I've heard how... tales of yeah. Costner being a prima donna on other sets, so this might just be... I mean, yeah, it might have just been okay. like a bad day, yeah. but at the same time, like, you know, you know, Turn your back on Clint Eastwood. No, he won't shoot. Actually, no, he'll wait until you turn around to shoot you. But you know, right? Did you see? He's a man of honor. But yeah. Um. Well, the other the other trivia thing that I was that I saw was interesting was uh, they had also thought about offering Butch to Denzel Washington. Which thinking about that, but that movie could have been like what era this takes place in. Right. Well, that would feel there might have a little more friction, man. It have been yeah. a lot more tense. That would have been a... Yeah. What was that? I guess Denzel was coming off of Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would love to see... Uh, I don't think Clint and Denzel have ever worked together. That would be great. Oh, much ado about nothing. And again, that would be another actor turned director. Mm-hmm. Eventually. He didn't do anything until 08, though, right? Great debate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Antoine... 
uh, Antoine Fisher was. The oh, that's a one. So yeah, soon. This worked out well. Is my point. Yes. Yes. Yeah, really, everyone's cast, I think, pretty perfectly. It's a shame, I guess, based on the fact that uh, they're both coming off of Dance with Wolves and Unforgiven, that this this for some reason didn't tap into the audience as it should have. But I guess those are both epic movies. Yeah. With sprawling landscapes, this is more of a character study. Yeah, it obviously yeah. would have been its position to be in the Oscar conversation, but I can't find anything on it. I don't think I nominated for anything, did it? The only thing it ever got was Best Foreign Film in the Turkish Awards, like the Turkish Film Awards. Ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I guess this uh, touched a lot of souls in Turkey in 93. Um, a French uh, film magazine named it the best film of 1993. Oh, there you go. For the French and the Turks. Yeah. I wish there was... I follow a podcast that talks about Oscar buzz, but they don't go too far back because they're about our age. So their memories go basically back to like 96, 97 for when the buzz was happening. So yeah. they also read Entertainment Weekly's Oscar buzz sections. And it's hard to tell what would, you know, play well. And the thing is, In the Line of Fire ended up getting more accolades. It had screenplay uh, adaptation nomination. Uh John Malkovich is nominated for Best Supporting Actor, so rightfully so. Maybe maybe they didn't know who on this production to position because Clint's maybe more famous, if not as famous as uh, Kevin Costner, right at this moment in time. Mm. So Kevin Costner is obviously the lead actor, but are you going to position Clint to get a supporting actor nomination? Like maybe mm. he's sixth or seventh too. Maybe it was there was enough buzz; it just didn't make it. You know, right. Maybe it just didn't get seen. It it came in fourth at the box office. That we yeah, didn't do well. So I don't know what the advertising was like then. I didn't really hear this film until we were deciding to cover it. You know, I'd seen the name on a list of Clint films, but nothing about it standing out. You know, well, like you said, like the fall season, there's a lot of Oscar hopefuls, and it's hard to uh, sometimes stand out. Yeah. Well, the things it was up against in November were, and this is coming out right around now, around Thanksgiving, um, were sequels like Wayne's World 2 and Sister Act 2 were the big movies this weekend. And Mrs. Doubtfire was owned the box office for the last two months of the year. So it's hard to say that people were in the mood for a brooding character study, you know, which it has some light moments nonetheless. It's just... This is the alternative to what was really popular. Uh, it's a shame because I I really like it. This this is one of my favorite things we've covered actually. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty pretty good movie. Yeah. Suffice it to say, I'm giving it an A plus. So okay. But I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to talk about if, before we grade. So. Yeah. Uh, I, how intense that that that, that uh that last family interaction yeah that like uh like right before it had like everything was gonna go down like i was like no 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 this is uh this is heavy shit man because like it's a black family yeah yeah Um, i was like like dudes dudes go going full psycho and i'm just thinking in the back of my head is like it's like is he giving himself a pass because like they're black and he could probably he thinks he could get away with this yeah, like, I, was just, like I was legitimately going there. I'm like, oh my god, he is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But yeah, we won't ever know because because the kid stopped him. Philip shot right. him. Right. I think I think he is a bad guy when he's pushed too far. Yeah. But he can't help himself to be pushed too far, and I don't think it is the people he's attacking. Yeah. I don't think it would have mattered who it was. But like, like uh, but for for how tense that was, like Tristan was like right there next to me when I was just like, "Oh, Clint Eastwood, how could you?" Yeah. He, he, he was the kind of guy to pull that string. Yeah. And he uh, did. And I got really tense. That the the woman uh, of the three, uh, Mary Alice, is a pretty good character actor that had just been in To Sleep with Anger with uh, Danny Glover. And yeah. she's in Awakenings as one of the main nurses. Uh, but I don't know if you all remember her as the Oracle in The Matrix, at least Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> she replaced. Uh, her. Um, huh. Forget the name of the first actress, but the uh, yeah. orig- the original Oracle passed away. Yeah, in I remember that. Filming, and they kind of fixed. They had enough of her for Matrix yeah, Reloaded, but to yeah, finish off the part in the third one, this is her. Hmm. It's because she's in makeup to make her look like that first actress. So, right. it's, it's Mary Alice, and she's she's a pretty good actress that didn't get a lot of parts, but when she was hitting, she hit well. So, so I think Clint knew to get a dynamite actor and actress for this part of the movie. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, no. Just because yeah. of how tense that made me and how everything was just like all over the board, I, I'm going to be up there with Tristan on the A+. I would probably go um, A-. It's a, it's a, it's definitely because Clint's directed so much. It's probably in the top third of the movies he's directed mm-hmm. again, the guy's so prolific he's almost like Woody Allen he does one a year almost at this point well yeah. apparently actually we're marking the occasion this might be the last movie at the Rex right now um, the one he's making yeah uh, he's making right now juror juror number two. Juror, yeah juror number two yeah, yeah. Um, so. so this is actually the perfect time to cap off his directing career another good reason we didn't expect back when we chose this yeah so. Um, so I would give it a a minus. I I think it's a it's glacial in a good way. And um, actually, for, as far as like a cross country uh, trek, it uh, it doesn't feel uh, too bumpy along the way. There's yeah. there's enough there's enough material there, uh, psychologically deep material for the actors and the uh, the script that. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't feel lugubrious as it goes along. I am a sucker for this type of movie, actually, when it's like a journey and you have different characters in different spots, because yeah. you never know how he's going to act with each character and if it's going to escalate or go up and down. Road trip mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, exactly. Especially when it's like a criminal. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about this that I find fascinating. The criminal road trips. Nowadays, they'd have been caught right away because of technology. Yeah, I hate that. Mm-hmm. It also isn't as effective as we think it is based on movie technology. But right. Anyway, well, what about you, Jeff? I mean, I give it an A. I enjoyed it. A little long for my taste, but, you know, it was... It told what needed to be told, so it was just... I just have a short attention span, that's all. But it yeah. was uh, <laughs> it was really good. Um, and Costner was good. The kid was really good. Uh I thought it was interesting that they didn't really cut back to the mother at all for the mm-hmm. like she after point. the kid after the kidnapping 
you'd think that they would go back to like her searching for stuff, but then it just focuses on the cops and on him, which yeah, you know, she comes up a few times. It was just an uh, they reassure her once, and then she shows up at the end. Yeah, so, I might have padded it out too much. Yeah, right. And she couldn't go in the caravan with him. I understand. I, yeah. I think I agree with you, but I might not have served the story as much as you and I would have take wanted. A, it didn't take away from anything. It was just sort of like something that I recognize. I'm like, wait a minute. But anyway, yeah, they could was... have a shot one extra scene where she's back at home with her daughters. You know, yeah. it's the type oh, of thing wow. where you know. It, it it is a a folk tale in in a sense because like this type of thing could never happen. Criminal gets shot on sight or something these days, and yeah, you know, oh it's, yeah, that, that's you know, the one thing. That... There's no Stockholm syndrome movies that are like, eh. <laughs> yeah, the real the real thing we should have well, talked. Kind about of one doesn't believe in Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. The real finale of this is kind of interesting they are really again shooting him because i guess laura dern's pathology has gotten to clint and he doesn't think they should shoot him on site and it's also there well, is a wrinkle that has been set up that he was the judge that set him on the wrong or like the lawman that informed yeah, the judge yeah because him on the wrong path and he's trying to yeah, redeem he, himself in a way yeah no like uh he 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 busted uh butch when he was uh younger like a teen and then like he figured like the bet his best chance was to like put him through put him through the system because like if he, there was a weird logic like you said like that was the kid's best chance if they if they had any like hope uh but he would turned out he was wrong yeah. and uh now now his uh his his mistakes have come up come to bite him in the ass i like his i like his excuse when he tells laura during that that's what happened uh he's like well I'd done it before, and and that one turned out to be a judge. <laughs> you can't expect that with everybody that goes to Jewish. Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> you know. but like, uh, uh, one thing that did like kind of just made me a little iffy on uh how the ending went when Butch got shot by the FBI agent. Um, that agent shouldn't have been the one that was that he shouldn't have been the shooter to do that because like normally the FBI would have a guy for that that they would have an fbi sniper wasn't that what Typically. i think that's what he was there to do eventually no but he was there, he was there uh, initially to be a uh, liaison or to stay, he wasn't like he's supposed to stay he knows he's been in hostage situations okay yeah, oh yeah he yeah, knows so his, like the technical his, his job like a guy like that his job is to observe maybe throw a few like notes in but like he's not like he tech, he has no jurisdiction well I think it but was like, just but zero like when the FBI gets involved, like all of a sudden he's the guy to pull the trigger. Like, I think I think it's because Clint wanted him, the one that we all hate for having hit on Laura Dern, to be the one yeah. to also no, want like, to some somebody had to Butch. be the bad guy, but like right. it's like I gotta punch like, someone by the end of this movie and it's gonna yeah. be either. Yeah. Yeah, god damn it. Sick of this yeah, shit. I mean finish it. Somebody's gonna get that's, these that's calcium a, that's deposits a small right. thing, but like that's something I realize because like yeah eh. I'm a but you do need you need, you need that bad guy to beat do the bad thing because yeah clint eastwood's got to punch somebody at the end of the movie in the end the and also we have to like feel like yeah. 10 minutes in <laughs> so. yeah it was good yeah so uh has anybody rewatched the three musketeers on disney plus that's what i was trying to segue yeah. into 
because yeah. I watched it because I was sick this week. So I was stuck at home and I'm going through a bunch of Disney stuff because I'm getting rid of the service today, actually. I got to do that tonight. Um, so that meant Dante's classic, Three Musketeers. I'd, I'd always wanted to see it and I actually thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I forgot how cheesy the one-liners were. Oh, my God. Yeah. So cheesy. I have a feeling you didn't like well, it. Or... Oliver Platt sells it. Yes. He does. Yeah, he's uh, I think um, Chris O'Donnell's a little bland. He always um, kind of was. So. Yeah. He's fine. He's um, supposed to be a 90s heartthrob. He I think Oliver, Oliver Platt has the right tone for the material. He's the best um, part. Charlie Sheen's a little too... Stoic and serious. He's coming off a of hot shots. There's there's a first scene you see him. He's trying to romance some farmer's wife. And it's it hard not to think of like, spoof when you look at him now. It it looked like the scene where he's in that bed in Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I digress. Yeah, of of all the uh, adaptations, I haven't seen the Richard Lester ones, so I can't. Yeah, say. Um, this is definitely better than. Paul W.S. Anderson, one that we got a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fine. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't particularly love it, but I can see why it's um it's a cherished uh, live action Disney film from back in the day. I'm sad I didn't get to see it back then because I definitely would have nostalgia for this movie. But it. That's what I mean. The one thing I'll say about it is, if you like things like the Mummy that comes out in 99 it has that kind of bravado with the four musketeers it's it's like a nice adventure the music swells to tell you what you want to feel it's right yeah. you know it's a nice little thing but, it's uh stephen herrick i believe directed it uh he's a, um he did critters oh hey all right yeah yeah, um, I think I think it was a good movie. I was yeah. I was satisfied after my thirty year wait. <laughs> uh, a movie you and I had recently seen called Flesh and Bone came out. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, James Conn really just passed away, so this is a this would be a good tribute to him. Um, Steve Close, who would go on to adapt, I think, all the Harry Potter movies. Yes. This is his. Uh, his writing directing debut or not actually it's his sophomore effort he had just done the fabulous baker boys oh really yeah <laughs> right before this and um, it's a real life couple dennis quaid meg ryan uh there's a uh, there's a scene towards the beginning that uh shows the aftermath of a horrible tragedy that happened with dennis quaid's family and meg ryan's family and they collide later in the film it's a it's a it's a, a western neo noir, and yeah. I actually I thought it was really well written. Um, even though some of it is contrived about how they get some of these coincidences to happen. That's about all I would say about it too. That's what I was waiting to hear from you how how you felt about the contrivances because it's the ending sort of specifically where. Uh, the Meg Ryan character comes up horribly gullible and naive about right. why she's being taken to a certain house. Like she's a little too gullible for our taste. Like there's a cleaner way to do that, but it might have taken a little longer. There's also a scene earlier in the film where I swear she thinks she's in a Nora Ephron movie where she's yeah. confronting her soon-to-be ex-husband where she yeah, plays yeah. it a little too lighthearted. 
Right. Yeah. Somebody with a little more grit should have had that role. Yeah, you could tell she's trying to be out of character since the, her recent things have been like uh, Sleepless in Seattle is coming out next year. And, and she's known for being like the romantic darling. But, but yeah, overall, I like the movie. But like I said, the, the, you could see the plot mechanics are getting a little creaky towards the end. But uh, one standout in the movie is Gwyneth Paltrow's fantastic. Is this her first movie? Because she's she's pretty good. Uh, I don't know because I, I feel like she was, it, she, it's it, she has a weird trajectory. I feel like she was a great actress to begin with, and she's gradually gotten more bland as the years oh, right. have gone on. She's the daughter in Hook, isn't she? Ah, uh, yeah, she's good in that yeah, too. She's actually pretty good as a child actor, weirdly enough. Yeah, so I don't know. She seems to have lost her chops over the years, but I don't. Yeah. At great expectations, she's really good in too. I also don't want to say a backhanded compliment for Dennis Quaid, but he doesn't talk too much in this movie. And I thought he's so good at just being brooding and stoic. Mm-hmm. I was like, is it because he's not talking or is he just really Sometimes, killing this part? <laughs> we, nobody will remember this, but a couple of months ago, we talked about this movie called uh, Wilder Napalm that he's in. And oh, he's right. so hammy and over the top. Yeah, he's so hammy and over the top in that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe monosyllabic is the way to go for him. Yeah, the way he uses his eyes and his his little beaks and stuff, it's. I think that and was the way to go. The other good thing is you're used to him being uh, having a lot of machismo in movies. So when he's confronted with the James Con character later, we see him. He's very reserved. He's averting eye contact. You can tell all of a sudden he's he's kind of infantilized by being in the presence of his father again. Mm-hmm. And James Con just exerts that kind of bravado where it would be intimidating yeah i imagine he was intimidating in real life yes yeah <laughs> so yeah good movie that's a, that i felt like that was underrated yeah. um mm-hmm. remains yeah, that, the day that could have been our choice but i i yes. think we ended yeah. up picking well i think this was the bet this movie was the better of uh, the- <laughs> i really don't think jeff would have liked flesh and bone no but two good guys world will never know um, the Remains of the Day came out, another Merchant Ivory movie coming on the heels of uh, Howard's End, which also starred Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. I always get these confused, but now I yeah. think I have it clear since I watched them back to back. Pretty We're much. finally done with this yes. tr- trilogy of confusion. I think this is the better of the two. What happens in this one? Is this okay? So this one is, is he a butler in this one? Yeah. So it's almost the power dynamic is flipped. Yes. Okay. Because he's like the uh, the upper crust uh, aristocrat in the last one, so he's the butler in this one. Yeah, I like and this one better. He's he's coming off of uh, Sansa Lambs, and this is some of the most uh, introspective acting he's ever done. He does so many things that aren't ostentatious in this, as you know, Sansa Lambs. Uh, Sansa Lambs. That was yeah, that's that was with Dom Sansa the Lambs. Yeah, that's right. That was <laughs> Sounds of the Lambs. He's very, um, it's embellished acting. Mm-hmm. In this, it's much more understated. So we get to see like two shades of Anthony Hopkins within a uh, year period of each other. But um, at one point, the the uh, the Lord of the Manor is played by uh, Christopher Reeves. Mm-hmm. And he does, he's fantastic in the movie. Yeah, it's a glimpse into what could have been if he wasn't so. Like uh, him as a character actor was yeah, really good. 
And it's a shame because he ends up paralyzed in two years. Was it 95? It's, yeah, it's shortly after Village of the Damned. Yeah, and it's it's just a shame because we didn't really get to see him get into older roles. He probably he could have become like what Michael Keaton's doing now, where he gets juicy yeah. character pieces. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, and coming off of Superman, yeah, that's right. It would be a great that's a great parallel. Yeah, if he got grayer, it would have been really neat to see what he would have gotten to do. Yeah. Oh. Um, did you the one last thing I want to think about that, the character that uh, Hopkins is playing, his father is also a butler that's aging. And yes. how, how did you feel about that scene where he's sort of dismissed? Uh, that's, the, that's my favorite thing. Like oh, he, the scene where like he, he messes he has, up. He has a mishap with a tray. Yeah, he's getting shaky because he's in his 70s or 80s. I was going to say the uh, more... Well, do I want to go into spoilers? Does it matter if I go into spoilers? Yeah. So his... At, during this very important dinner party, his father passes away, and he goes, ah, yes. Well, he would want me to get about my duties, so I should probably go back to that. Yeah. And she goes, I'm, uh, my condolences, and he's like, well, thank you for that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's it's real poignant. I it guess. doesn't come off as cold, yeah. though. Yeah. There's also sort of a predecessor to Gosford Park and Downton Abbey, where and that's what, that's you what have I to keep that thinking. stiff upper lip, even if you're the downstairs people. So they go into a little bit about the politics of the period, uh, about the the rise of Nazism and stuff like that. But they don't. Yeah. That's a, that's almost subtext in the background. And the end of the manor system, essentially. Yes, because that's what after that is when uh, Christopher Reeves takes over. Yeah. Um, a reunion, a Scarface reunion happens this year between Al Pacino and Brian De Palma called Carlito's Way. Another classic um, I've never seen. I think it's better than Scarface. Obviously, that movie's more celebrated, but uh, again, talking about um, things being very uh, over the top, the ending of that movie, I don't even know if you could take that seriously at this point, Scarface. Um, oh. Oh, Carlito's God. Way. It's weird. Um, nowadays, Al Pacino couldn't play this role just as he probably couldn't play the role in Scarface. Because he's playing a Cuban, and this he's a Puerto Rican. Yeah, it, it's not as it's not as offensive as it is in Scarface, but it's still like mm, get a little miscast. Actually, the person who comes in and steals most of the movie is Sean Penn as his lawyer. Hmm. He's really good at playing like he plays like his sniveling accomplice. He almost look it's weird. He looks exactly like Phil Spector. I'm sure that's who they based the character on, but nobody who knew knew who that was. No public person knew who that was. He was around then, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, actually, it's a really good movie, and also towards the end, there's a really good Hitchcockian set piece, which we all know Brian De Palma's uh, obviously a huge fan of Hitchcock. Carlito trying to get on a train. That's a fantastic ending. Cool. Um, it's probably up there with the one from um, uh, The Untouchables in the train station. Neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one I need to get to eventually. The Untouchables. Like one, the one that was always no. I've seen Untouchables. I got to get to uh, Carlito's, Carlito's way. way. Yeah, because it's it's one that was always on the shelves at Best Buy or like always on TNT on Saturday midday. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I should see this someday. It's got Louise Guzman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton had a movie come out this right. month, a tearjerker called uh, My Life. I hadn't seen it until uh, I watched it for the podcast, 
And um, it starts off with the most saccharine flashback of Michael Keaton's character um, telling all the kids, like, for my birthday, the circus is coming to my backyard. Yeah, you'll see, you'll see. And they follow him home. And uh, obviously there's no circus. And it's like, oh, wah, wah. Then they cut to older Michael Keaton uh, videotaping um, a diary, like a visual, almost like a vlog for his uh, soon to be born child because he has uh, terminal cancer. So he knows he won't be around after the birth. Yeah. Um, We're going to get that circus, man. Yeah, man. It's weird. The movie will go between scenes that uh, have a ring of truth to them to scenes like that that just just have are chock full of falsehoods. I'm like, uh, I feel like Michael Keaton has the right approach to the material because he kind of plays a very um. It doesn't play very maudlin. In fact, towards the beginning, he's almost making he's almost making gallows humor about the fact he's like, well, I don't have to worry about that because I won't be around. I guess when you're in um, that situation, you do bounce back and forth because you're trying to think of like the things you want to get done, but then you're also sort of bitter that it's ending so quickly. Yeah, and there are scenes no. where he does have uh, he does have breakdown scenes where he's like, um, I was just thinking about not existing anymore. It's just going to be so strange. Yeah. I have so many things I want to get accomplished. So yeah, I think his performance is great. The movie itself, not so good. Hmm. Well, so it's an Oscar play for him too. Who knows? It what probably he was, was looking for at the time. Definitely his first thing after Batman Returns, right? So it's at the time yes. they sort of think that they're going to do a third Batman, but this is sort of his in between movie. Yeah, because he's he does a little he does a couple character dramas around this time. He does one good cop. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody wants to see a really good. Uh, drama with him an early one uh clean and sober is really good yeah 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 you always point that out to me to watch finally i yeah. gotta get to you'll that. love it you'll love it yeah i think it might be the first role for morgan freeman Could oh. be. that's pretty cool um so uh, another oscar contender big one came out this month uh the piano oh here we go the jane campions uh is that her first movie no, she had a couple first... small films in Australia. Okay. One called Two Friends and another one, I forget the name, but this might be her fourth film even. Okay, good. well, yeah. this is the one that got her the most attention. Yeah, this is her breakout film. Yeah, this is her breakout film. And then she would go in the seclusion for a little while. Um, yeah. I think it's weird, and I don't want to say this is just <laughs> because she's a female director, but when you get the Oscar sometimes, it pigeonholes you into what's the next project, and so it takes a long time to get that next one up. Well, back and, then, like, who were the big female directors? Her and Catherine Bigelow? Um, and even then... Uh, this, this movie also continues the trend of, I don't know what's going on. Harvey Keitel likes to be nude on the film. But, uh... What's wrong with that? Uh, Sam Neill is in it as the jilted husband. So it's kind of funny, the main character, or main actors from Jurassic Park, both had a film in November. Yes. That's what we were mm-hmm. talking about. Everyone sort of had something in june july and then came back for the oscar season also and rightfully so anna packer won the oscar for this she is amazing in the movie she delivers monologues i think she's only like eight or nine yeah when this movie's filmed she delivers monologues she she seizes the screen whenever she's on there 
Obviously, Holly Hunter doesn't have any dialogue because she's mute. But right. even in other scenes where she's sharing it with like Samuel or some other veteran actor, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvey Keitel is good. He feels a little miscast as uh, he's like a farmer with a Maori tattoos on his face. Um, and they have an affair. I don't really feel like they have much chemistry. It feels more theoretical than passionate. But overall, I think the movie's good. I think it's a little overrated. I think Power of the Dog is better in terms of filmography. Interesting. Um, it covers some of the same themes. I think this gets overrated because Anna Paquin delivers such an incredible performance that everyone's just like, oh, this is She's the great. one you got to see to see how people blew everyone away. So, Yeah, she's great. So I get, again, early in her career, like Wes Paltron delivers one of her best performances. Mm-hmm. Um, a sequel that I think might be superior to the original came out, Adam's Family Values. Speaking of things that were, they had a bunch of sequels this month. Uh, actually, the ones you were talking about come out next month. But right. that's what overshadows it on. Yes, right in terms of box, box office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Adam's Family. Don't get me wrong. I like the original Adam's Family. I think now they really hit their stride, which makes me wish they had had a chance to do a third movie. But apparently, this didn't do as well as the first one, unfortunately. Plus, Raul Julia dies next year. So that's, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Naked Street Fighter. I think that's Street Fighter was his last. Yeah, and it was sort of abrupt too. So <laughs> it's not really like they they could have had plans for a third. I think that's they did technically make a third with yeah. Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah. Um, about that wasn't that this one ABC Family movie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But this one has a, I think the pacing was more brisk. I think um, screwball gags land a little harder. I think um, the Paul Rudnick, his script is full of beautifully acidic one-liners. That whole, anything, <laughs> there's a great cameo by Nathan Lane in a police station that is probably one of the hardest things I've laughed at in years. Um, but yeah, the cast is phenomenal in this. And Joan uh, Cusack, who I've never actually thought is a sex pot comes off very sultry in this. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Funny that you mentioned the Nathan Lane cameo because later on he would go on to play Gomez in the Broadway version. That's oh, is that true. right? Wow, That's okay. true, yeah. Who played Morticia in that? Uh, B.B. Newworth. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great casting. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. It's a huge surprise. I never saw it. Well, now I want to see it. So it will never happen. They probably filmed it, right? The Broadway version? I'm sure it exists somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Or at least clips you can watch to see some yeah. of their songs. Yeah. So did how did you feel about it? Did you like this one? Have you seen this one? I haven't seen the Adams Family's movies. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Yeah. I keep I kept having them at the top of my queue for Netflix for the DVDs, and then it, Halloween would come around and I'd miss it. Oh. So I kept doing it to myself. Everybody knows you can only watch those movies around Halloween. I wanted to, so it, I did it to myself. Right. I've been trying to watch it for like 15 years. Okay. but And I just um, didn't see them when they came out. One movie I know you definitely saw was Ms. Doubtfire. Yeah. Weird, weirdly enough, by the way, I played the video game for Adam's Family. 
Yeah, you have to like. I was like, Mrs. Doubtfire had a video game. Yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why is the Adam? Does Harvey Firestein tell you how to game? use the controls? Hit the right button. <laughs> Would have been better it's than the stealth, Adam's family game. It's a stealth game where you have to just like put on pie undetected in your own house. Yeah. The side scroll where Pierce you got Brosnan over. It's a side scroll where you got to beat Pierce Brosnan with oranges. Every time your ex-wife becomes suspicious of you, a big red eye ap- appears over your head. And you yeah, she's like peeking over the screen. <laughs> so We're yeah. We're going to make it now. Um, Ms. Doubtfire uh, shows what a what a chameleonic uh, actor Robin Williams was because he could, even with the prosthetics, which the prosthetics are really well done, he convinces you that he's this is she Scottish? Or Irish, I think Irish. Irish, um, au pair. Uh, <clears throat> and weirdly enough, I think it's one of the. This is what weirdly one of the first movies I saw that tackled divorce in a way that didn't feel phony. Because mm-hmm. like by the end, still. Yeah, because by the end you're like, oh, and most Hollywood movies did reconcile, put their differences aside. No, they share custody. Um, I think this is um, Christopher Columbus, uh, uh, one of his uh, one of his first movies, directing movies because he had written a lot before this. He had done um, Adventures in Babysitting, but uh, and then shortly after this, he would do uh, the Harry Potter movies. Are you okay? Are you having a stroke? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at. Uh, did you know who was originally? Uh, this first choice by Anne Fine, who wrote the book, Madame Doubtfire, who no. she wanted to play. Dave DeVito. Daniel Hilliard. No, uh, Warren Beatty. Huh. Yeah. So he would look like Shirley MacLaine? I guess so. Maybe that's the point. <laughs> you know what would be I'm... funny if they just didn't put him in makeup and just had Shirley MacLaine take over the role? Yeah. <gasps> right? That would have been smart, actually. Speaking of uh, movies that got a Broadway musical, by the way, do you remember this? Just I had heard about this two years ago. I completely forgot this happened. Who was in the role? Uh, I don't know all the Broadway actors. Well, it wasn't Nathan Lane. That would have been. No, funny it was uh, Rob, Rob McClure played the played the yeah yeah his character, which mm. is the guy that did the Chaplin musical, yeah. right? Yeah, he was also the Alec Baldwin character when they did Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. oh right, right, right. <clears throat> I was listening to something new, rotten. Forgot about this that. is a new segment where I just talk about the Broadway adaptations of movies that's that why we, we brought you in. about 30 years ago. Hey, we, we, that was originally the format. Was. Yeah. That was originally yeah. a format. Yeah, you were supposed to be Broadway. What I was going to be music. What did you guys think of uh, Ms. Doubtfire? Oh, I love it. You yeah, think it holds up? I think it holds up, yeah. No, it's garbage. It's not. Garbage. Do you not like it, Jeff? No, I, I, it's never a good movie. It. I love it. It's, it's hilarious. I've never I watched the movie. So I I done you've never seen the movie. Somehow. Like years. The greatest movie of 1993 I've somehow never seen. Wow. Supposedly. By, by, by some standards. Yeah. Like, the family film that's both heartwarming and funny. Yeah. Good. We should watch it. See if it holds up. 
I haven't seen it in a few years. I feel like it does, but yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Perfect Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't see how it won't. It kind of is actually. It's heartwarming. Yeah. In a like, weird way. It's it's got dinosaurs as, in it. You can't. You can't it cannot be a bad movie. It's got dinosaurs. Yeah, you oh. should get the kids to watch it this Thanksgiving. That's a good idea for like morning. Uh, I was gonna say as much credit as Robin Williams gets, uh, Sally Field has some great double takes in this. Yeah, Sally especially Field at the end. Best performances. Yeah. Yeah. Um the most Mrs. So, she's ever looked. I'm glad that Jimmy brought up dinosaurs. Yeah. Because another movie came out that was centered around dinosaurs called We're, We're Back, Back. Baby. Yeah. And it's also got some affiliation with Steven Spielberg. He didn't direct it, but he produced it. Yeah, he's like, um, I'm taking care of all dinosaurs from now on. Yeah. I so I only knew about this through the poster. Um, and the trailer that played um, Walk the Dinosaur. So I, w- I started watching this. I said, what the fuck is going on? There are Martians in this? Yeah. That lure the dinosaurs onto the space station using something called brain grain. And yeah. then they get deposited in present-day New York where they can seamlessly walk around inconspicuously because there's a Macy's Day Parade. Well, everyone saw Jurassic Park, so they think they're balloons for it. I, I, I want to give the movie just credit just for away. being so narratively cockamamie. But it's... I mean, it's, you know, for, it's for most kids, I remember seeing that movie when I was little, yeah. No, like, uh, that, that, like, uh, it also takes yeah. place in an alternate dimension where the dinosaurs are playing golf at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Hey, we're back. And uh, John Goodman's are... putting on, like, this Southern gentleman out of a Tennessee Williams play voice. Sure. So weird. Were they playing mini golf where they're trying to hit the ball through humans? Because that would be the only acceptable <laughs> is, parallel. What was it? What was the deal that made like there was some point in the movie where like uh oh wait, you haven't seen it, right? You just know the part. Have what, you me? seen it? Yeah. No, no, I and just watch saw it. For it. The That's podcast. why I'm like, I'm, I'm. Yeah, no, I, I forget what was, what was the thing where the dinosaurs like they just uh, they, the bad guy like did something and then they reverted back to their dinosaur so ways. Uh, there's, yeah. there's a good, there's a good inventor and a bad inventor, right. brothers. Right. right? Yeah. The good, the good inventor is like, um, I don't know exactly what he wants to do with these dinosaurs, except have. He wants no to fulfill. He wants to fulfill. That's what it is. He wants to fulfill wishes. And a lot of the kids have a dinosaur fetish. So, so he wants to grant the wishes of these kids. Jeff, I'm not even joking about this. Um, so fetish is just a weird choice. Know, a of, like kids yeah. are furries for dinosaurs. They're like and <laughs> the, the, the bad brother wants to put the dinosaurs in a museum. Should be he wants in a museum. If he wasn't in a museum, that means he's got to take the bones out. Like, just <laughs> he he got them already. Them. Just stick them in a zoo. Thanksgiving time, he's got to debone them. Uh, you know, big, big, uh, big uh, wish, wishbone. He needs the wishbone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, I, I'd almost want people to watch it just so they can see all the contortions the plot makes. But I, it, yeah, it, the movie's stuff. barely I don't remember it all that much. The movie's yeah. barely an hour, and it somehow ingests all of this narrative congestion. So I don't. 
Did you like the movie, Tristan? I'm sure as a kid. No. <laughs> Actually, really, even as a kid, you didn't like it. Yeah, I was like, what is this? Why is this taking for I thought it took forever. I was I was actually kind of bored. It kind of is because it changes the plot every 10 minutes. So uh-huh. you're like, am I watching a sci-fi movie? Am I watching a, a whimsical fairy tale? What, yeah. what am I watching here? And I was I a mean, fan wait, of what, stu- what studio made this movie? Is it the same studio did that did the uh It's uh Fox. No, 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 no. Don't you think it's the good studio? It's uh Amblin. Amblin? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, still though. They outsource stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, still though, that 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 if it's Amblin and like I yeah no, then it's gonna be the same like kind of like writers and pe- people involved with like the TV shows that Steven Spielberg produced. This seems so, like, like this, this is probably this is probably them like just like let's just do this. They flex. A well, little I read bit, a little about guess. He said he wanted to do a because um, he thought Jurassic Park would be more for like older kids or uh, adults. Yeah. He wanted so. to make something more. For the- Geared for tykes, in terms yeah, of for like, yeah, something like T.J. Lothar, the kid from A Perfect World, would like this. That was a bringing thing. it all back. I don't know. He's right behind Corey, so I thought. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that, this movie was. <laughs> it looks like you're leaning on the car because you're, you're on the. Chair oh, I didn't even catch that. No, no, it, it worked out like exactly what you were so doing. Well. Yeah. Exactly what you were doing. Put your arm back. Yeah. There you go. Right. There you go. <laughs> You're chilling with them. It's all right. Yeah. You're one of the guys. I was an escapee alongside him. Yeah. Corey's just actually got the screen screen thing down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. This, so, that brings us to <laughs> Jeff's segment. Monster Boy. I'm back. You just like the dinosaurs. Here we go, buddy. Boy, boy. 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 Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Yeah. Arrowhead. So what I'm yeah. looking at is is very clearly it's a white background with an arrowhead that's been blurred out with whatever I have, context. Should have extended is, is the. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's just a whirly a whirly gig right now, and then a <laughs> red, <laughs> possibly bloody paw print. On the ground. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to guess what that arrowhead actually is? This is more I, for bonus points. I'm guessing it's a spear, uh, some sort of caveman type. No, I, I tricked you to throw you. Comment, off, you not. did actually. Well, then you know what? Maybe it's just a shadow image. <laughs> Perhaps it's a shadow of some doubt, or a dragon, or a dog. It's just a bear. Bear, dog, for bear, dog. It's a dog. Yeah, why is it stretched like that? Uh, I don't know. It's already photoshopped. Is this yeah, yeah. is this ghost dog? What the fuck is this? What do you think, think the plot this is, of this is? I feel like Jimmy this, knows this movie. Uh, Probably. Okay, so now it's just clearly an angry attack dog of some sort. Um, looks very angry, and it's it's. But it's photoshopped to look super stretched and distressed. And this is like Bad Boys. Is this the Bad Boys movie? Oh One God. of no. That's two more years. Okay. Should uh, we shine some more light on this? And give him some more clues. Can I have a crumb of context, please? <laughs> I don't know what that hint was, Jimmy. I mean, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's literally. I don't know what to make of this. 
Yeah, what would it's you just, say? This is it. What would you say the plot is? This is it. This is the post. And then the title. This is clearly. So what this is clearly. Is? All right. Like if I'm, someone I'm gave you this poster, what would you come up with for a plot? Someone is attacked by a Doberman. I, I'm thinking it's like a, a, a gang. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I got it. I got it. It's, it's, a, it's like some sort of gangland thing. Someone breaks into a house and then gets attacked by a dog. They end up befriending the dog. The dog becomes their, their, their familiar, so to speak. And <laughs> then they become yeah. best buddies and it turns into a dog, a boy and his dog type film. I mean that's definitely nowhere near the plot. I like it though. God yeah. damn it! He, he really, he <laughs> really. Jeff always comes up really with really shank it with that one. No, that's what I want from you. It's... He always comes up with better plots. But you were on to something while you were describing it, though. Kind of about, about the title. Yeah, I I have the tagline first. So do you want to tell him the plot because then maybe he can come up with a tagline yeah. based on that. Sure. It's mad dog. Lance Henderson is a uh, a scientist. Oh God! It's always a scientist who genetically engineers the perfect killing machine, which is this dog, but it's a cyborg dog. Oh, really? this this heavily dis, dis distressed. And he he gets loose, and he's taken in by Ali Sheedy. Is it called Basket Case? Because that's the only acceptable. No, <laughs> it was already a movie called that. But so you uh, know yeah, the true. basic plot now. What would you say for a tagline? If what would Ali Sheedy consider this? Man's best friend just got even better. Yeah, you just you could just cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> this is just called Man's Best Friend. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Jimmy, you know this movie? Not that far. Ah, uh, no, I don't know. Maybe. Nature created him. Science perfected him, but no one can control him. <laughs> there's a great. <laughs> what is this? There's a great. <laughs> There's a great scene where a cat runs up a tree and he climbs it because he's got those abilities. He can also camouflage. Oh, he climbs the this, tree and he's is this a horror? The... Like, yes. what genre yes. is this? It's, yeah, it's a, a horror. horror. Okay. He, he climbs a tree. <laughs> he climbs a tree and he swallows the cat whole. You got oh the, the, the puppet looks hilarious. Is it... It, it looks like an early 2000s, like a Malcolm in the Middle type like comedy. Like it's this, like if somebody, me if somebody took R. If somebody no. took Beethoven and crossed it with the Terminator. Okay. Yeah. It's a Maybe horrible it, idea. Is it, is it good in a bad B movie type of way? Uh it's hilariously bad. Like as a go a goof. So it's funny. I, I don't I don't think it's aware that it's supposed to be funny. It's something you like you could uh, Was this movie a book to? beforehand? <clears throat> I don't think so. It's the, the sad part is it's directed by the guy. He just passed away. It's the same guy that did uh, Child's Play 2. I don't know. John Lafayette. But, uh, yeah, the movie's unintentionally funny for a lot of it. He he He's pees. An original film. Mm. He has acid pee. Not what I'm thinking. But I was throwing – I was hoping well, I was throwing Jeff off. What were you trying up to get to? Uh – Cujo, Shosh, like because like it's a Stephen King book, right? Yeah, it's a Cujo type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So you were trying okay. to do Shank and Shine a Light. What were those references to? Yeah, uh, Shining. Oh. Wait, no. Uh, no you didn't. Yeah, and Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Yeah. All right. You were on uh, the right line. I mean, 
at the bottom of the uh, Wikipedia page for Man's Best Friend. It has Cujo, White Dog, The Breed. They're all the same, like, no, he didn't. dog movies. Right. Uh, you were on the right line about what kind of movie this was. <laughs> but you were thrown, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've got the name. That's. I threw, some, I threw a couple of things in other directions. Yeah. Um, this wasn't the best poster of the year, but. I say, I, in terms of like early Photoshop, it's plot. pretty bad. Yeah. It's... <laughs> it just does stretch the mastiff a little. Okay. Yeah, why? Yeah. Oh, well. I was going to say, I think in honor of Clint getting his last movie, I was going to say we should do Clint Eastwood for the picks of the month, but there is the possibility of going with Kevin Costner. So I don't know what do you guys think. There's also Laura Dern, but she has a couple of films. I was going to say, Clint's kind of broad, because do you want to do directed, or do you want to do acted? I would say directing, but it kind of covers both sometimes, so... That's true. Is it too broad to do Clint? I think it's kind of broad. So why not Why not go with Kevin Costner? The rest of the 90s are kind of rough for him, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with either one, and maybe after the recording we can see what Clint we would have picked. Mm. Well, I already sort of mentioned Costner. what I would pick for Kevin Costner. Field of Dreams? This one. Not going to lie, I like The Postman. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite Kevin Costner movie. Um, Actually, we've mentioned it too, uh, The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, stick with The Postman. I saw that before. I postman? Yeah, I saw that That's when his career was dying. Yeah, that's fine. The one that I, I saw, I saw, the, I saw know, at a very impressionable age. It made me very patriotic. It's like Waterworld, only with desert wasteland. With, yeah. yeah, yeah, a dystopian America that doesn't like America doesn't exist anymore. That's what's great about. It. I mean, that's not the great part. That's what. Oh, that's what's know, great but, about. Yeah, just a giant desert in the middle, and everybody's just on the coast, living weird, like isolated lives because society had collapsed completely. It's funny that we were back, the whole we were movie back to a feudal on, society and the peasants revolted. The whole movie hinges America on him back. delivering letters, which is so antiquated now. Well, the <laughs> fact that he's part of the um, Pony Express, which is a service that dies uh, nine years later in real life. Right. Kind of puts it not helpfully. In hey, but it's got a Tom Petty cameo, so that's always good. Mm-hmm. Well, Postman... A perfect world. Untouchable. I mean, that's the thing. If this is the movie we're covering, and I'm trying to pick up a, a movie that we want to suggest for people, can I pick the movie we just watched? Yeah, why not? And this is definitely not enough people movie. saw it. Clearly, this is my favorite costume performance. So, yeah, no, this is something you discovered that you Some, sometimes we spotlight stuff that we don't like. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like there was a, a while back, I picked a picked a movie that like. That we had, uh, that just, just that covered. was covered. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, no, this is good. I like it. Yeah. The one that I picked for whatever actor or director that we selected at the time. Right. So I do remember doing that myself. So. What do you think, Jeff? Thin Cup. Ah, good choice. Have you thin seen Cup? it? Did you pick? We don't talk about whether I've seen it or not. Well, then how you said thin why cup? are you picking it? No, genuinely, I, I'm trying to think of of the things I've seen. Yeah. It would be between Field of Dreams and collectively his role as Jonathan Kent. 
Yeah. He is the best part of Man of Steel. He is. Mr. Brooks is underrated. Yeah. I was going to bring up, uh, there's a movie that comes out next year called The War that was a little overshadowed. I was uh, listening to a podcast about it, and it sounds really good. Elijah Wood? No. uh, Maybe. I don't know. It takes place during the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah, it is Elijah Wood. Look at that. They did not mention that it was Elijah Wood. Never saw a child. Um, (laughs) child. Apparently, it's very good. Uh, Some interesting in trying to watch it too, especially for the month it comes up. Uh, When? That's a November '94 film. So a year from now, I'll let you know if I liked it. No, I'm gonna go with JFK. Have you seen JFK? Yeah, I've seen most of it. JFK is great. Speaking of which, that was another point I wanted to say. Uh, the fact that he's coming off with the JFK thing, Clint has the movie about a disgraced Secret Service agent that was part of the detail. They both made JFK movies and then did this taking place in that time. They're both obsessed with the guy. I gotta say. So. Well, then Kevin Costner did the um, Cuban Missile Crisis movie, 13, uh, 13 Days. days yeah, I want to see that too. I've sorely missed a lot of Kevin Costner roles. So... That may be why this is my favorite one of his. But I think we picked good ones. I mean, he he's had a pretty good career. And just talking about it in general is a... And he's got two big movies coming out next year. Oh, yeah. After his Yellowstone resurgence, he got the bug again to direct. And he wanted to make an epic Western that he's splitting into two parts. That's right. And insisting goes to theaters. Definitely a genre that's not historically good in theaters and a guy who's in his 60s trying to promote a thing that people don't want to do anymore well open range did pretty well yeah that's 20 years ago that's true apparently they're going to release on june 28th and then the second part is august 16th which is about the window these days for films so he's trying to see what works to see if this can be a a way to make movies I mean, I mean, back in the day, we'd have serial films. You'd have an hour-long episode that people would go to three months later to see this, the second one, you know? So it is hearkening back to a time when people just went to theaters for that. So it's like an event. I honestly hope he does well. Because <laughs> this could be I... a new way to get things in theaters. Not over budget, but... Yeah. You know... There's a there's a way to make theaters viable still. This might not be with westerns, especially hundred million dollar westerns. Yeah, but he mm-hmm. probably funded most of that with Yellowstone money, divorce money. <laughs> anyway, uh, next month we're going to finish off with a western. Actually, finish off the year uh, with. I mean, it's the title speaks for itself. It's Geronimo in American Legend. So we're going to see how that Walter Hill, a classic director uh, coming in and directing some of our favorites like uh, Gene Hackman, Robert Duvall, Matt Damon in an early role. Jason Patrick. Famous old Jason Patrick. Jackie Gleason's grandson. Is he really? Yes. I never knew that. Yeah. Okay. Did not expect to say Jackie Gleason or Dom DeLuise during this recording. Yeah, you never expected, but they always yeah. show up. Yeah, it's uh, like the Spanish Inquisition, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see it because I uh, have heard good things about it. 
So never seen it. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving and are enjoying these Black Friday sales, and are mm. listening to this as you're trying not to knock people over to get the last DVDs that exist at Best Buy. Yeah. yeah. You buy don't, into that capitalism, you consumer pig. Don't pull Eli Roth Thanksgiving and have a, a massacre at Black Friday. No, no, no. All right. Uh, until next month.